Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Kia ora and welcome to a brand new series of Here Now with me, Kathan Vidagokumar. Yep, so Voices is now called Here Now, and each week we continue bringing you stories from across all sorts of topics, from the arts to science and culture, told through the eyes of people from around the world who now call New Zealand home. Stereotypes, endearing and annoying all at once, often the bane of many of our lives as diaspora in New Zealand. I mean, the list is endless. The usual assumptions around places in India being crowded, how so many of us speak English, whether we dance Bollywood or make garlic naan at home. And of course, I couldn't resist using this soundtrack in the back that you hear. I mean, ethnic and all that, right? Then there's those tropes around the cities, Bombay, Mumbai or Delhi, cows, tummy bugs. And if life is really that quote-unquote unbearable in the large metros of India, etc., etc. Like It's so ridiculous, that Delhi belly concept. And, and Indian people get sick as well. Like His stomach was done in also in Berlin. So I don't know, can we call it Berlin belly? Just like take the Delhi out of it. <laughs> So a Mumbai girl had a film out in Pune, which was made in Auckland. But it was it was about Indians, so, <laughs> so that was interesting. In this episode of Here Now, I'm talking to creatives from the Indian diaspora about how the idea of tropes and stereotypes work or doesn't work for them, and their more nuanced takes on them. That was Shonanda Chatterjee, who you just heard, theatre director. And Shreya Bhagwat, whose film Mr. Singh's Death was selected for the Chicago South Asian Film Festival last year. She normally lives in Auckland, but she's speaking to me today from and about her favourite city, Mumbai, her hometown. This this film that uh, I wrote was from an experience I had in Auckland when I was door knocking as a volunteer very early in my uh, immigration journey to New Zealand. And... I spoke to this gentleman who had moved to live with his kids from somewhere in Punjab, but it's not very different from any of our parents coming to live with us as they get older. And he talked to me about the isolation that he felt. And, you know, there was a huge internal conflict that I had about this situation because I'm a first generation migrant, you know, and um, as you age, you realize your parents are aging too. But is it really fair to remove them from their context and their lives that they have lived, you know, somewhere? Like, and and, and in Mumbai, my parents have a have have a huge social life. They're older, but they have a huge social life. They have a community. They have their lifelong friends here. They have the things that they do. How fair is it to kind of uproot them and move them to a strange city? Mm-hmm. And then the onus lies on them to build their own connections. Um, and mm-hmm. I don't know if that's fair. And I don't necessarily know what the answer to that is, uh, which is why, you know, I wrote that film. It, it, it sort of ends more on a question rather than an answer. And um, yeah, so, and these are real issues, you know. I mean, it would be similar if somebody, say, from Auckland, in theory, had to move to, to Mumbai. 
how challenging would they find it yeah. to adjust to a, to a culture like this Shreya is native to Mumbai and I guess I naturally wanted to know how much of her work in theatre and film draws from that megalopolis. Again, that's riddled with all sorts of tropes. A great deal actually. So, it's a very layered city and I think that um, experience is reflected, I think, in my personal experience as well. You know, you have all manner of people from all stations in life, um, you know, whether it's class whether it's language so it's a real melting pot you know bombay and um, bombay mumbai <laughs> and i think one of the main reasons that i call bombay mumbai is also because i'm marathi and at home it's always been mumbai so that's probably why i reach for uh, for that word rather than bombay more than the official nomenclature of the city changing the official name changing the hindi film industry in in uh, is known as Bollywood, uh, colloquially, and uh, that's probably coming from Bombay. So it's it's quite interesting because there are lots of intersections also that are drawn um, from, um, you know, the, the stories, I guess, are at intersections of many things in, in Mumbai. There is no one one way of telling a story, which, which is a very um, sort of enriching and nurturing space for a storyteller. Because you take one walk in your neighborhood and observe so much and observe so much and see so much and get so inspired by sim people simply making the city their own. So that's that's a real um, advantage, I think, of being, being from here. What are some of the things that you've noticed over time since you've moved from Mumbai to New Zealand? For example, when you first arrived here, I bet you got, you were faced with quite a few situations where you needed to convince people that the stereotype necessarily wasn't true. One of the stereotypes about Mumbai um, is that it's very resilient, okay? And I've always found that stereotype a little bit, um, it's true, but it's also a bit problematic because it's a, it's a harsh city too, you know? It's a vibrant, it's a melting pot, but it's also harsh and it's ruthless. And it can be, people have no choice except to sort of, stay calm and carry on no matter what happens here and the city has seen some very very um, you know challenging times and I think in that sense people from the city are quite uh, are not demanding because they're so resilient but that also means that some of the things that really need to be addressed don't get addressed um, so the resiliency is a double-edged sword and I think that's a stereotype that really needs to be examined a bit more closely it almost sometimes seems like the word resilience can be used as an excuse for negligence. When when you look at things like um, the Bombay bomb blasts, or you look at things like the flooding situation during the monsoon that so much of Bombay faces, um, to paint an entire bunch of people as resilience almost dismisses needs that are yet to be fulfilled in many ways, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, like you said, all of that is true. And say a bridge collapsing, and I mean, bear in mind, we're talking about a major city in this country that contributes so much in terms of, uh, you know, opportunity or uh, the number of people who live here. And it really does need more attention. I suppose one of those films that sort of brought Mumbai into mainstream Hollywood's attention was Slumdog Millionaire back in 2008. 
uh, when Slumdog Millionaire came out, I remember my own visceral reaction to it was, it's a good film. I found that it was a good film, but I also didn't appreciate that uh, somebody else was telling a story about Mumbai, set in Mumbai, um, who was not from here, right? But then I contrast that with a film like Gully Boy, which is um, made in in Bombay. It's uh, I think I I to if I'm correct, it is shot. Vast parts of it are shot actually shot in Dharavi. That's right. Uh, it's made yeah yeah, and it's made by a, an Indian filmmaker, an Indian female filmmaker, and um, I think that I found that much more authentic and real as compared to say a Slumdog Millionaire, which had that vibe of a film made to profit off of something that is happening in a in a developing country and something that needs to be told in a certain way, which is acceptable to a global audience. And it's going to get somebody lots of awards and make lots of money. But really, who is actually benefiting from it? So these are see, these are questions that I really, really found very confronting and problematic when Slumdog Millionaire came out. That has changed, and I'm glad that it has changed. Um, I also think that slum living, chawl living, um, is a very unique way of life, and I'm by no means saying that it's easy, and that we should, uh, we should not ask the question that why should large portions of people live like that. I'm not at all, you know, uh, saying that that's okay because those conditions are very, very, very hard, you know. Uh, but at the same time, I think when I observe it, uh, whenever I used to have a connection with my through my work. Um, to people who lived there, lived in slums, lived in chawls. I think it's a very unique community living situation. All the festivals are celebrated. They're celebrated together. People um, have connections. They count on each other because often systems fail, right? Which is why this whole collectivism really helps people because it's a lot of interdependency. Mm. Um, whenever you're in trouble or whenever you're celebrating something, you first go to your friend who's your neighbor, you know, and they all know what is going on in each other's lives. So mm -hmm. I, I really find that, um, I really actually think that, you know, that that's extremely reassuring at some level, at some human level. And mm -hmm. when I moved to Auckland, I I really did find that it was a very isolating, uh, isolating experience and existence. And I underappreciated how much Bombay, sort of has that fabric of calling on your neighbors, you know, mm. um, knowing who's in your neighborhood, being okay with asking for support and help to them, right? Um, so, so yeah, so I think that that's a very unique thing about Bombay, um, which, which is stereotyped in films, uh, less so now, but definitely something that I missed when I moved away from the city. Shonanda is based in Auckland, but spent her early childhood in Delhi. And although she's lived more of her life in New Zealand than she has in India, some of the tropes still seem to get to her. Can you just please take a second to talk about Delhi Belly? I've never had Delhi Belly in Delhi. So, you know, talk to me about that. How, okay, how life you it? Oh my goodness. Like, listen, you can have IPS in France. What are you talking about, sir? Like, <laughs> I find it incredibly upsetting. Of course, look, the water situation, like, 
you should know your own body. Don't blame it on the place, man. Like, <laughs> you go and drink, like, shit out of the drain, and then you're like, oh, I don't know. The, it must be deli. I'm like, no. If you are used to eating something sterile and unsalted, then the slightest amount of jira is going to make you gag. Like, that is not... <laughs> that's just science of your body <laughs> I don't know people make it cultural and now it's like oh Indian people eat hot food I'm like no mate we eat all kinds of food it's so weird that we get homogenized how much of your work would you say actually draws from stereotypes and away from them uh, yeah I do think about stereotypes all the time but I, I, and I try to stay away from my problem is caricature do you know what I mean I don't think um, stereotypes are the problem because stereotypes are genuinely there for a reason. They're they're a they're a system of signs essentially to understand somebody, and those signs, when in the hands of the people I think that are responsible for them, can be hilarious and funny, and that's why I think well yeah these are these are general genuine signs and of our cultural things like you know the overbearing mother for instance is such a trope um the overbearing mother is a trope across like now i'm realizing like all of asia right at least and hispanic communities and polynesian communities so it's like mm -hmm. <laughs> quite a quite a large trope uh, or like a, a a a broad like covers a broad range of people but um i think I don't really mind using them because they're mine to use. That's my that's my toolkit. That's my arsenal. Um, but I think when somebody from, from looking in tries to do that, it becomes caricature and it becomes clown-esque. And you don't really get to the heart of it because behind every stereotype, there's there are emotions. There is a human being. So if you don't know the nuance of the the person who is that stereotype or who plays into that stereotype um if you don't know the cultural nuances that have brought them up to be like that you can't be empathetic to a character like that's the thing right like when you are when i'm making work i have to empathize with every person in the script um because otherwise i am i am i'm directing them from the outside i'm not in there you know so the same thing that the actors have to do for their own characters i feel like the director has to do for all the characters in the play you have to be in the mind of the character you have to empathize with them i think in my work i lean into stereotypes all the time and i think it's hilarious like that's how we deal with trauma by actually leaning more into it and we have permission to do that because <laughs> it is ours to mess with, but somebody looking in does not have permission to do that. Creatives from Auckland and the Indian diaspora, Shananda Chatterjee and Shreya Bhagwat there on today's episode of Here Now. And I'm your host and producer, Kadambrira Gokumar. While we're on the subject of theatre and the arts, Here Now goes live for the first time at the Podfest at Q on February 8th. You can get tickets on the Q Theatre website. So come and join the audience as I talk to two of New Zealand's brilliant theatre makers, Jacob Rajan and Pedro Ilgenfritz. 
That's on the 8th of Feb in Auckland's Q Theatre. Get your tickets online at the Q Theatre website and I'll see you then. Today's episode was mixed by Blair Stagpool and my name's Kadambri Kumar. Thanks for listening. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.